Get back in control with Off the Wagon, adventures in emotional eating, health, and weight loss. Each episode containing fork-sized mindset tweaks, perspective shifts, and lifestyle hacks to get you back on the wagon. Whether it's habit change, emotional eating, addictions, weight loss, willpower, or relationships, there's something here for you. So let's get on the wagon and get down the road to your goals with me, Christy R. Hall. Welcome to episode 18, where today we're talking about quieting that negative voice in our heads. We all seem to have that little voice in our heads that tells us what to do, what not to do, that we don't need to do, what we should have done, and basically runs a constant stream of chatter in our heads. And in a lot of cases, it talks us out of doing the things that we intend for ourselves. So if we're trying to um, master a specific habit or something like that, it will be the nonstop chatter in your head that tells you, no, you can't do this. No, you shouldn't do this. No, it's not okay. And it's often the voice of self-sabotage. And, you know, no matter how positive or outgoing or successful or type A that we are, everyone has some degree of this negative thinking or thought pattern or chatter going on. It's an internal protection mechanism for the most part. When we lack self-esteem, when we don't believe in ourselves, we don't believe in our abilities. We don't believe that we're capable of accomplishing what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And our mind tries to protect us by talking us out of it. And it reasons that if we don't try, we can't fail. And if we don't fail, then it's okay, right? Because failure hurts. And on a rational level, We know that never trying is almost just as bad, if not worse, than trying and failing. And so we get caught in this emotional tug of war between ourselves of what we want, what we think we want, and what feels comfortable, what feels safe. When we try and fail, and this is the benefit, we always learn something, even if it's painful. And so taking risks and risking failure is part of a happy and productive life. And it's how we build courage, confidence, and self-esteem. And, you know, when we work on these things, our self-esteem tends to increase. And those negative voices start to get less and less. Um, They may say less. They may be quieter. Um, That's not to say that we don't still have good days and bad days because we all do and negative self-talk and negative thinking will still pop in here and there. But the idea is, is with some work and some training, this won't be such a huge struggle. Um, Like anything, the more you practice, the easier it gets. So the first step in dealing with this negative voice in your head is to stop denying that it's there. Acknowledge it and accept it for what it is, even if it's not helpful or productive sometimes. Next is to sort of 
understand that the little voice in your head, when it's warning you of failure, is really and truly simply scared. And it helps, I think, to think about this little voice kind of like a small child. You probably remember a time when you were scared of monsters under your bed or uh, scary things in the closet or in the shadows. Now, as an adult, you realize that most of the time there's nothing underneath your bed but storage that needs cleaning out, and there's nothing in the shadows but cobwebs. But this little voice inside you, it doesn't realize that there's nothing in the shadows, and there's no reason that you're not really safe. And so when it's scared because it doesn't know what's going to happen, it doesn't know how successful you're going to be, we have to do things to calm it down and get it back on board. And so here are some tips to help you put that little voice in its place. First and foremost, give it a name. I think this is really helpful because when you start by giving it a name and a personality, you separate yourself from it. So let's say you call it the nag or the critic or whatever name feels right to you. And you can, it doesn't have to be a real name. It doesn't even have to be your name. If it reminds you of someone in your head, then maybe that's the appropriate name for it. Either way, don't be afraid to make it a real or a silly name. The thing is, is that it will help you to take a lot of the power and influence that that little voice has over you in your head away. And it will help you to notice when you're having these moments of negative thoughts and and negative thinking and negative chatter, right? Because then you can go, oh, there goes fearful Franny again, mouthing off. Giving it a name helps you like I said, separate yourself from the voice and be objective about it. And that makes it easier to be on the lookout for it. So often we get into this rut, for lack of a better word, of habitual negative thoughts. And we let it go on without realizing what we're doing or that it's you know running us into the ground. So when we name it and give it a personality, then we can start... To notice it and when we notice it we can take better control of it and the idea is is that we can then monitor over time we'll learn how to do that right listening to ourselves listening to our internal monologues for negative thoughts so that we can spot them and deal with them so when this voice is going off in your head right doing its little chitter chatter like they all do it's trying to get you to not do whatever you're thinking about doing. It's trying to get you to not do your workout, trying to get you to eat that cookie, trying to get you to um, not change your diet, trying to get you to stay at that job you hate, right? And it does that by projecting and giving you mental images of things that are terrible or, or how terrible it will be you know, if you make this change. And things are always worse in our heads, aren't they? I mean, that's why when we think we do something, you know, embarrassing, that it seems so much worse than when somebody else does it. That's why it's important to put that conversation that's going on in our heads into the proper perspective instead of blowing it up and and thinking that we've 
you know, ruined our eating plan because of one little mess up. What we want to do is reduce it down to what it really and truly is. So let's say that you ate something you didn't intend to. That's okay because that's all you did was you ate something you didn't intend to. Maybe you let yourself get too hungry. Maybe you gave in to peer pressure. Whatever it is, it probably really wasn't that bad. So here are some thoughts, some ideas, some tips even for helping you put it into perspective. When you come across a situation where you are unhappy with your actions, think about it from somebody else's perspective. Imagine if it had happened to somebody else. Would you think it was a big deal? Would they be a terrible person because they ate a cupcake? Are they a failure because they didn't do their workout today? Another thing that you can do is you can talk through it with somebody else. Chances are they'll be able to help you put it into perspective, right? By offering these same sorts of um, real world life experiences. Chances are they've missed a, a, a workout once or twice too. Chances are they've eaten a cupcake once or twice in their lives and it was all okay. Their world didn't shatter. At the very least, you can always put a positive or at least a neutral spin on it. For every negative experience we have, there's always, every time we fail even, there's always a lesson to be learned. And if you sit down and you know do your post-mortem on it and figure out where you went wrong, what happened, what the thought process was, then you know and understand a little bit more about yourself and where you may need to do a little bit more work. And that lesson, while it may be painful, will help you get further along on your journey. So another good strategy for defeating that little voice in your head is to prepare disputes or counter arguments for it. So let's say you're wanting to eat more mindfully or consciously and to that end you think "Mm, all meals should be eaten at the table. But your inner voice starts throwing up objections going great now we have to go buy a table. Or where would the kids do their homework? Or are you sure that focusing on your meal that intently won't backfire and make you more food obsessed? No one really focuses on their food like they talk about in the books. That's unreasonable. So have some retorts lined up and be prepared for the resistance. You may say, okay, I don't have a kitchen table, but I can sit at my desk with my monitors and my phones turned off and not multitask. Facebook can wait 15 minutes. And it may seem that that level of focus is obsessive, but I'm always distracted and always focused on something else. And so I rarely realize I've eaten. And maybe that's the reason why I'm always looking for something else. One of the easiest ways I've been able to cut through my own inner chatter and even get a reluctant agreement from my subconscious is by setting a time limit to the experiment or the thing I want to try. So let's say I want to, you know, start a new workout. My subconscious mind may be saying that little inner voice may be saying, it's going to be hard. It's you're not, you don't have time to do that kind of workout. Um, you realize how sore you're going to be? And, you know, to that, I may say, look, I get that this is going to be difficult 
and uncomfortable and maybe even painful. So let's just try it for one week. If it sucks and you hate it and it gets no better and you still don't want to, then we'll stop. Normally, that'll get an okay out of me. And then I'm off to the races, making whatever change I was resistant to. When your inner voice is just being a full-on negative Nancy and is down on everything you do, no matter what you do, one of the best ways that I've found to shut down that negative chatter is by focusing on all the times that you've succeeded, gotten it right, or just generally been awesome in the past. And you start that by looking back and reflecting on your progress. Sit down and think about how far you've come and how much you've actually accomplished. For me, this is always a huge ego booster because when you think about it, there's a lot that you've done over the past couple of weeks, months, even years that you can be proud of. But we often don't see it or conveniently forget about it because there's always more to do on the to-do list and always another imaginary standard to measure ourselves against and determine that we're failing. So the simplest way to make sure that we see and notice what we've accomplished and how far we've come is to get into the habit of spending a few minutes, either in the morning or at night before bed, for reflection and gratitude. When you wake up in the morning, before you jump out of bed, while you're still drinking that first cup of coffee, or even while you're taking a shower, think about what you've accomplished and what you're grateful for. I like this morning habit because it sets a positive and confident tone for the rest of the day. But if that doesn't work for you, try it at night before you fall asleep and realize that that last 30 minutes before you go to bed is when you are most open to receive suggestions. So by focusing on things that make you happy, things that you're grateful for, you will be programming your mind to be looking for positive and grateful things and bringing more of those things into your life. Make it a daily habit and you'll find that over time, that negative voice in your mind will get quieter and quieter. If you're the type of person who needs to see it in black and white, like me, to believe it, you might consider giving journaling or habit tracking a try. You can spend a few minutes each day either writing down your wins and successes or checking them off in a habit tracker. There are tons of apps for this and a lot of printable bullet journal pages that you can print for your you know, if you're a bullet journal person. One of the simplest methods, though, is to set up a grid with the habits that you want to establish and little checkboxes next to them. Uh, you can use simple grid paper or Excel spreadsheets for this. But then when you accomplish your daily habit, you get to check it off. And it can be really motivating to see a month's worth of little check marks on your habit tracker. One of the main benefits of doing this is that then you have a reference point. You can go back and review your wins and your successes on a regular basis. And of course, whenever you need a little boost of self-esteem or confidence or whenever that little negative voice is getting up in your face. Um, you can also pick a pretty notebook and start your own brag book. You can write down anything and everything that you can think of that you're proud of or that you've accomplished. You can make a list of your strengths and any skills you've acquired over time. Um, anything that you accomplished off your bucket list, it doesn't really matter. Don't forget to write down any of your various achievements 
or accomplishments. And this may seem strange at first because um, a lot of us don't really like to toot our own horns, but if you stick with it, then you will be creating a great resource for helping you get yourself out of a negative mind chatter place. Remember that you don't need to show anyone this brag book. Just write it all down so that you're able to remind yourself of everything that you've accomplished when you're having a bad day. You can include pictures, sketches, mementos, anything that you think would be helpful. You can, you know, turn it into a little bit of a scrapbook if you want, adding pictures of the things that you've accomplished, like, you know, graduating from college or that time you hiked up a mountain or, you know, you finishing your first 5K. Add them all in, paste them in there, or at least stick them between the appropriate pages. Add ticket stubs or postcards or whatever else makes you feel positive and confident and hopeful, right? All the things that you want to feel about you, your accomplishments in your life. Make it personal and make it real. Um, last but not least, you know, make sure that you use this brag book. If you're going to be building it, um, it's important to go back and review it. Keep adding your accomplishments as new things come up. If you get an email from a client that says, thanks for doing this, you're awesome, put it in your brag book because that means somebody else there for a moment thought you were awesome and that will shut down that negative chatter. If you find that you're struggling to list all your accomplishments and all your awesomeness, consider calling a good friend or a family member who's familiar with what you've done and see if they can help you fill out your list. With any luck, they should be able to help you by pointing out how much you've accomplished already. And these are just a few of the things that you can do to quiet your inner voice, your inner bully, or your inner critic when he or she starts getting a little bit mouthy. And they should also help you get your subconscious mind on board with you, which should make these changes and habit building things that you're doing easier because you'll be more in alignment with yourself. And when you're in alignment with yourself, there'll be less resistance. And less resistance always makes everything easier. So I hope that's been helpful for you today. If you have any questions or concerns or just want to talk to me about what it is that you're doing, and how this mindset hack, these tips and tricks can help you. I'd love to talk to you some more. You can find me on Facebook at fb.me forward slash Coach Christy R. Hall or at my website www.christyrhall.com. Thanks so much guys for tuning in today and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.